Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to Fact or Fiction, history stuff for the history buff on HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candace Gibson, joined by my guest, staff writer Jane McGrath. Hey Candace. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I am gearing up for my Christmas shopping. Mm. I always like to do it early and beat the crowds. Oh, you're better than me. <laughs> well, I was thinking, what sort of job could I have that would give me carte blanche to buy just whatever I want? And I was thinking, the more powerful you are, typically the more money you make. Then I was like, well, what about the most powerful man in the in the country, in the free world, the, the U.S. president? He must have just, you know, tons of money to work with. You would think. You would think. Yeah. And then I was really surprised to find out that's not the case. Yeah, not exactly. Presidents make... Uh, now, uh, it's about 400000 a year, which, I mean, in scope, comparatively, in the private sector, it's not that much, it's not that great, I guess. It's not. I mean, to me, in my opinion, $400,000 is still a lot of money. Sure, sure. But, but considering his position, and, yeah. Yeah, considering everything he has to do, it doesn't seem like that much. And like you mentioned in the private sector, Bush is actually, or he was actually, part owner of the Texas Rangers, and he sold that a couple of years ago, and I think he earned like $14.9 million for it. And then Cheney is also independently wealthy. I think his net worth is around $30 million. And yet, again, $400,000, and then the vice president's salary is 
$100. Yeah, and talking about the president's salary, that hasn't always been the case. Obviously, it gets changed throughout the years to accommodate for inflation and stuff, but it actually gets changed not very often. Um, the last time it was changed, uh, Clinton actually made 200000 uh, but before that, like, it hadn't been changed since about 69. So that was about 30 years that the president went without a, a pay increase. Yeah, so in 69, it was 100000 And then Clinton signed legislation back in 1999 for the increase to occur, I think, in 2001. And that's an important caveat. The president can't increase his own salary when he's in office. That's right. And that's a little different, actually, if you look at Congress, for instance. Congress can actually raise their own salaries. And uh, that's a pretty popular vote you would imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone saying no to that. (laughs) And for important and obvious reasons, we see why the president can change his own salary. But um, the first lady we've talked about before, she has no salary, but she gets a pension when her husband is out of office. It's $20,000 a year, which, you know, it it sounds kind of meager, especially in comparison to your retired president's pension of $150,000. And then he also gets another $150,000 to maintain his staff. And you can even go back, like people ask, like, hey, that's a lot of money to me. So uh, do we really have to pay the president that much? I mean, shouldn't he be in the job um, to be a good public servant to to the public? And the the framers actually considered this, and they thought, like, they actually considered, you know, looking at the possibility of, of giving legislators or presidents no salary. But at, if that were the case, uh, you know, it wouldn't really attract um, people from the private sector who are talented talented people and they're skilled and it wouldn't bring them over and attract them to uh, politics and, and that life. That's a great point, especially if you think about the fact that it takes millions of dollars to even campaign for the office. That's true. If someone wanted to run for president and there were no salary for the president, one would have to save up money and, you know, really be independently wealthy in order to hold that office. And it's funny these days because, you know, we, we'd like to see equality. We'd like to see a, you know, a really sort of fair, even-keel person in the White House, and not many of us would get all up in arms for someone who was incredibly independently wealthy, who was making promises to help out middle-of-the-road Americans. It would seem like a big disparity. That's true. That's true. And and framers actually considered that it would actually incent the politicians to seek out corruption. I mean, I'm not saying that corruption isn't possible today, (laughs) even with their salaries, but, but making no salary, they would certainly want to seek out underhanded ways to do that. So I guess another argument would be that if the president had no salary, he or she would still have an expense account. And, yeah, that says something. And the president sure. does have an expense and account. he has free home and board. Sure, yeah. Exactly. He gets yeah. free home and board. And the White House, <laughs> which is a pretty nice place to have free board. Not too shabby. <laughs> Not at all. And the vice president's house isn't too shabby either. No. Very nice. Yeah. Or, oh, gosh, it's this gorgeous Victorian mansion. I'm kind of in love with it, even more so <laughs> than the White House. But as far as their expense accounts go... That's pretty generous, too. Uh, the president gets $50,000 in expenses, $100,000 for travel, and then 19000 for entertainment. And again, pretty sweet little package. And the vice president gets $10,000 in expenses. So, And we know that entertaining, it, it may sound frivolous, and $19,000 may sound like an awful lot of money for entertainment, but it's really important. It's diplomatic. It's about protocol. It's ceremonial. It's really necessary for Washington. And that's true, and especially considering uh, uh, presidents have to bring around foreign diplomats and stuff like that, and so they don't want to get off the impression that America is poor. So considering that some of the people who go on to become president are so independently wealthy, 
we really do have to stop and look at a couple of historical examples and see exactly why people would choose to do that. That's right. And there are there are a few examples of, of people who were wealthy before they they entered into politics. And, you you know, you question, like, why would they why would they like sacrifice a salary like a private sector salary? And you look at the examples there. Um, Andrew Jackson, for one, Herbert Hoover and uh, LBJ are examples that they got a lot of money before going into politics. And Hoover is actually an interesting case. Uh, he was actually, you know, orphaned at a young age, and he's sort of rags to riches story. He um, he was able to make his way into Stanford and get an engineering degree. And he he uh, the next few years, like I guess through the 1910s and 1920s, he actually got a lot of uh, of private wealth through uh, mining engineering, which doesn't seem like it would it would uh, get you a lot of money. But at the time, that was the uh, that was the position to be in. So it's funny that you should mention people who make the active decision to go into politics because on the exact opposite end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. you have people who are born into nobility. And unlike the U.S. president, monarchs stay on the throne until they die. And the U.S. president, well, that's not the case. Either he serves one term for four years or two terms for eight years. And then it's over. Yeah, and it puts him in kind of an awkward position. Afterwards. It does. It does. It's so funny. And it's almost like a mother watching her son get married, and then she's not quite sure like how much she can she can interfere and say, um, I think you need to be doing this, or I think you need to be styling your hair this way, or I don't really like that suit you picked out. <laughs> That's how I conceive of the ex-president, of course, on a much more important scale. And George Washington really set the precedent for the ex-president president. And I have to recommend a book for you guys. It's called Second Acts, Presidential Lives and Legacies After the White House. And I think this book does such a fantastic job of explaining the strange role of the ex-president or the post-president, really. And the idea that George Washington came up with was, I'm done with politics. I'm going to go home. I'm going to be a gentleman farmer. And if anyone needs me in Washington, well, they know where to find me. And they did need him, and so he went back, and with a lot of grace and dignity, he served another military role, and then he went back home and retired. And I think that before Truman's time, on average, the ex-presidents lived about 11 years after they finished the office, and today it's more like 15 years. And again, that's an average. Someone like Jimmy Carter is still going strong, like really, really strong. That's right, and he's still making a difference. He's in the public spotlight, at least, and, and promoting future presidents. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the ex-presidents, they make a careful decision about how they want to spend their retirement. And I think that today, even more than in the past, it's important for them to be seen. And they can fill a diplomatic post or they can fill a political post. And there's something that's really powerful and that creates a a resonating feel of unity when you see a bunch of ex-presidents all together. You get Mm -hmm. the sense that there's still a lot of confidence in that in that role and there's still a lot of satisfaction of well i played this out yeah and you know it's funny talking about taking pride in serving that position my favorite ex-president ever thomas jefferson on his tombstone it doesn't even say that he was president of the united states that wasn't something that he took as much pride in Hmm. as founding the university of virginia which he did after his presidency helping to draft the declaration and the uh, statute of religious freedom in virginia 
Teddy Roosevelt also had a really interesting post-presidency. He was so popular and so young that he could have easily won a second term, but he chose not to run again. And instead, he recommended Taft to the position. And he did win, and he was president. But then Teddy came back, and he was like, I'm not so happy with the way that things are going. Mm. So he ran again. And he actually split the Republican Party ticket at that point between himself and Taft, and then Woodrow Wilson got in which is probably a good thing because of the diplomacy he was able to extend during his administration. But you don't see a lot of presidents doing that. Generally, when they're done with the office, they're kind of done. And they don't really advise at that point. Like you said, they have a ceremonial presence more than anything else. Yeah, it's kind of nice you mentioned that that you see ex-presidents together. And often that happens to be presidents that are both Republican and Democrat. It's kind of nice to see the bipartisan, you know, uh, bearing of the axe sort of thing. Exactly. And again, with Thomas Jefferson, my favorite, he <laughs> and one of his political um, allies turned enemies, John Adams, they were, oh my goodness, they were incommunicado for years. And then after they both finished the presidency, I think there was sort of a quiet understanding between them. And they had this correspondence back and forth over the years. And then they ended up dying on the exact same day, July 4th, 1826. And I think John Adams said that his only consolation on his deathbed was knowing that his friend Thomas Jefferson lived. And, you know, haha, he didn't. But... <laughs> <laughs> But the office also takes a physical toll on presidents, too. That's right. And if you look at, like, I mean, imagine, like, uh, Nixon, for instance, had had some hard times there in the last in the last months of his presidency, and I'm sure that took a toll on him. But also, if you look at, perhaps, um, Reagan, he, uh, he maybe weren't, wasn't haggard after office because of political reasons, but the country watched as, as his health sort of degenerated, and he suffered from Alzheimer's, and he, he started forgetting, you know, even the fact that he was president, and it's pretty sad. It is, and even to flash back to someone like FDR and his health conditions, it's yeah. hard to see your country's leader incapacitated like that, but the fact that his mind was sharp enough to lead the country, I think is a really, really powerful thing. It's true. So if you want to learn more about presidents, past, present, and future, be sure to check out HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 